0: May God be gracious to us and to all the churches here in World Golf Village and bless us. Make his face shine upon us and that your ways may be known on the earth. Your salvation to all of World Golf Village and St. Augustine and beyond. May the peoples praise you, O God. May we praise you as as your people here in your church. May we be glad and sing for joy for You rule us justly and you guide us on the earth. May we praise you, God. May we praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless our churches. God will bless our churches, and all the ends of the earth will fear God. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so thankful that we have your very word And that as we read your word, we see the blessings that get poured out in your church. Nothing can happen in your church without the power of your Holy Spirit working in and through your church. So I pray, God, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're new here this morning, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. You can't pick a great day to come. We normally don't have food trucks, and we normally don't, don't have football, but we do this week, so we're so glad that you're here. And uh, we say our purpose each and every week, and we do that because we want to be reminded of why we're here, what our purpose is, and we want to tell new people why we're here and what our purpose is. So if you would uh, say this purpose with me, it's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community. And today we're going to look at prayer as we've been looking at the three great loves that the disciple is a follower of Jesus who loves Jesus, who loves one another, who loves our brothers and sisters, and loves the lost, prayer is a huge part of that. If we're going to love Jesus, we're going to love one another, if we're going to love the lost, if we're going to accomplish this purpose, then we have to pray. But I think sometimes we don't quite understand prayer. Because see, in the Westminster Confession, uh, in question number two, it says, what is prayer? And this is what the theological definition through the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism says. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to His will in the name of Christ with confession of our sin and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. I don't think we do that typically as Americans uh, when we pray. In fact, I... Found some sample prayers from kids this, this week, and I want you to hear some of these. One night, Mike's parents overheard this prayer. Now, lay me down to rest and hope to pass tomorrow's test. And if I die before I wake, it's one less test I have to take. Another uh, five-year-old was sitting at Grace, uh, sitting at dinner. They said Grace, and he said, thank you, God, for these pancakes, which was strange because they were having chicken. And the parents said, why are you saying thank God for the pancakes? And he said, I was just making sure you were paying attention to my prayer. And then uh, one last one, Johnny had been uh, misbehaving and was sent up to his room. And then he came out of his room and told his mother that he had prayed to God. And she said, okay, that's good. Did you ask God to not misbehave? And he said, no, I asked God that you would be able to put up with me better. So. <laughs> you see, our, our prayers are not quite... Uh, like what the definition in the Westminster Confession of Faith is, and that's why it's so great that God has given us a model how to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray. This morning, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus would have never actually prayed this for himself, because in this prayer, we're asking for forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of debts, and Jesus was perfect So he would never actually have prayed this prayer for himself. The Lord's Prayer is actually in John chapter 17, where he prays for himself, and he prays for his disciples, and he prays for non-believers. But everyone knows this as the Lord's Prayer, so we'll call it that, just to, to not make it confusing. See, as we're looking at what the Lord's Prayer is, we need to understand a little bit more about what prayer is. And that's why this model is so great, because as we look at the model, we can see how we're supposed to pray. We're not supposed to pray this specific prayer every time we pray, but it gives us a model, a pattern to follow after. Because I think oftentimes in the typical American church, prayer is more like demands, right? God, I need to win the lottery. Lord, help me win the lottery. Lord, help me uh, to be able to do uh, these specific things that may speak more to our greed uh, than than our need, You see, when we pray, we need to pray with urgency. You see, sometimes it's like calling for room service instead of a wartime walkie-talkie. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle. If you look around in our country, we need his kingdom to come now more than ever. And we need to pray with fervent urgency in our prayer life like our life depended on it because spiritually it does. And he tells us that we can come to the throne of grace with confidence. So we should come in confidence. We should come with urgency, expectant that God is going to do great things. Instead of just throwing up these prayers that really don't have any type of depth or meaning to us. And there certainly isn't any urgency. I think part of the reason why we don't have that urgency is we don't realize how weak we are. As Americans, we don't like to admit that, right? We're supposed to be strong. You know, bald eagles and apple pie and freedom. Be strong. But we are weak as a people. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, it, it actually says that. It says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I, what? Delight in weaknesses. Now, that's something we don't typically do, right? When we think about areas that we're weak in, we don't delight in those, but it says that we should. We should delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, in difficulties, because when we're weak, then Jesus is strong in our lives. Do you want your strength, or do you want Jesus' strength? I mean, And that's a real question that I think we wrestle with, because I think oftentimes, practically, we count on our own strength and not Jesus' strength. But when we realize... That we're counting on our own sinful, sin scarred strength and not counting on the creator of everything's strength. It doesn't seem to really make sense, does it? And that's why it's so important that we remember that we are weak. I mean, I go to the gym quite a bit. I enjoy lifting weights. On on some level, I think I'm a little bit strong. But then I see a video like this of these guys just lifting a crazy amount of weight. Just you can show show the video of this. I mean, these guys are lifting 1,100 pounds. These guys are beasts as they're deadlifting this. And you're seeing that metal bar bends. And these guys are crazy. And when I look at these guys lifting weights, you know what I realize? I'm weak. These guys are strong. I mean, Thor is a good way to end it, right? And when I, when I really think about who I am as a person, I'm, I'm weak. On my own, I'm weak. On my own, I need Jesus' strength. He's so much stronger than I am. And as I'm trying to lift the weight of everything of the, uh, that's, that's coming at us in our life, we should count on his strength. And so that's why I'm so glad that Jesus teaches us how to pray, because as he teaches us how to pray, we see the urgency that needs to be in that. We see our own weakness. We see his strength. And this is uh, what he says in, in Matthew chapter 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us uh, today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us le- not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So the action step, and we're getting at it a little earlier than we normally do in the message is that we should pray the Lord's Prayer this week. And not just the actual Lord's Prayer, but pray the pattern. Pray the ways that we see in this prayer and put it into our prayer lives so that we would see our weakness and we would see His strength. So in order to do that, we need to look at this piece by piece. So let's start with the very first words, Our Father. Now, in Scripture... It says that God is the maker of all of us, but he's not everyone's father. He isn't. Only the people that have put their faith and trust in him, that's uh, who is his father, that's who is his children, and and here he is our father. It says in scripture that by nature, all of us are children of wrath. That's who we are, that we're inheriting our, our sinful nature. If anyone's ever seen children ever, you know They sin very naturally, right? They inherit our our sinfulness from the original father and mother, Adam and Eve, through generations and generations, children of wrath, children of the sinful nature. That's who we are outside of Christ. That's why each and every week we want to proclaim the gospel because I don't want you to be a child of wrath, a child of sin, stuck in your sin, having to answer for all the ways that you've gone against God and gone against his word. And that's why God sent Jesus to earth He sent him as a seeking and saving Savior. He was fully God. He was fully man. He lived a perfect life. A life that we can't even imagine living even for an hour. He lived for his entire life perfect. And then he went to the cross not For anything he did wrong, but for all the things we've done wrong. All of our transgressions, all of our sins, all the ways that we're objects of wrath and sin. That's why he went to the cross and he took that weight and it was unbelievably weighty. It was unbelievably painful. It caused separation between him and the Father, but he overcame sin and he overcame death. And he rose from the dead on the third day victorious. So that when we believe in him, we can have eternal life. And now we can be children of God. You want to be a child of wrath or a child of God? It's a pretty easy choice. Put your faith and trust in Christ if you've never done that. And become a child of the everlasting King. If you need help with that, come and see some of the prayer team or the elders or me after the service. I'd love to help you with that. Or you could just right now in your seat say, I'm a sinner. I realize that I'm a child of wrath and I want to be a child of God. Forgiving my sins, I make Jesus my Lord and Savior, our Father. It's a powerful first statement, our Father. See, some of you here have really bad relationships with your earthly father. Or maybe your earthly father is gone and, and you never knew what it was like. Even if you have a really good relationship with your earthly father, it's not perfect. You don't have a perfect father. But in, in our heavenly father, we have a perfect, perfect father. And we celebrate when people go from being children of wrath to, to the children of God. And we want to celebrate this week of three people who professed faith in Christ this week. We're so, so grateful for that. We never take that for granted. If you're new, those are life rings. We believe that people are saved, they're rescued. And so far, we have 11 people this year that have put their faith in Christ. And we're so grateful for that. Our Father. And then it says, "How will be thy name, or will be your name, that the name of Jesus is holy. See, in our world, we could talk about God, right? And people don't get too worked up. We talk about generic God, no big deal. But when you drop the Jabo, when you drop Jesus' name, what happens then? Well, there's a reaction because now you're specifically talking about the one who is the seeking and saving Savior, and that name divides, but it should be exalted. And we should exalt him in our lives because he's the one that's rescued us. He's the one that gives us strength. He is holy, 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 and his name is worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to proclaim him. We need to exalt him and realize that his name is holy. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. That doesn't sound very democratic, right? In fact, it's benevolent dictatorship, his kingdom. But, he's a perfect king. He's a good, good king. He's a holy, holy, holy king. And so, when you have a kingdom, what do you need? You need a king and you need what? Subjects or followers. And and that's who we are in in Christ. And so, we get to see his kingdom here, that, that he is ruling here on earth, but it's not the full kingdom. See, that's going to come. See, it's so great as a pastor, I get a front row seat of seeing unbelievable transformation. I mean, it's amazing to see, to see how God works in people's lives, and people that were addicted to drugs are set free through the power of Jesus. One amazing thing to see his kingdom. Marriages that are on the verge of divorce to the very last uh, last thing that they're thinking of doing, they come and they get involved in community and they see the power of community and they're drawn back together through the power of the Spirit. People that are, are normally not uh, that are not going to be uh, s- small group uh, leaders get transformed and, and they come and they step up to be small group leaders. I mean, what an amazing thing it is to see people transform. Your kingdom come. But that's not all of it. His full kingdom is going to come one day. He's going to return, and there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And on this earth, we get to see a little bit of a preview about what that's like. See, I love previews and trailers to movies. I think they're awesome. I saw a trailer once. I'm just going to show you part of it once. I was so excited for this movie. Here, will you show that just small clip of the trailer? This ship is going to go. I have to do this. Something I have to tell you. There's a oh. reason we woke up early. Man, it looked so awesome. All this action and adventure and sci-fi. It was going to be amazing. And I go see the movie and it's the notebook in space. It was a romance. A romance. Are you kidding me? All these great actors and actresses. I thought there was going to be amazing action and adventure. And it was going to be awesome. And it was wildly disappointing. See, sometimes... I look around this earth and you see a little glimpse of what that kingdom is going to be like. You see a child obeying. Praise God. (laughs) Your kingdom is here. You see a beautiful sunset and you see, wow, God's creation, your kingdom is here. But then most of the time, that preview is marred it's not really a preview of things to come because our world is full of sin. And that kingdom that's going to come, the new heavens and the new earth, is going to be like all the great things of earth without any sin at all affecting us. And that we can't even imagine that. Fin- sin affects so much of our lives. Every area of our lives. It affects our thoughts. It affects the way that we see things. And we can't even imagine what that's like. But his kingdom is going to come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Romans 12, 2. What an amazing challenge this is. And I find this sometimes very difficult to, to follow after because it's a difficult challenge in our world to not conform. But this is what it says in Romans twelve two: Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's hard for me. It's hard not to conform. I mean, we have so many things that the world says are really good. And, and on the outside, it seems really appealing. It's hard to not conform to what the world says is good. But that's why when we pray the Lord's Prayer this week, and we pray the model of this, we see that His kingdom is here. His will should be done. And I want that will to be done in my life and in the lives of everyone in the church. That, that word will is kind of interesting. I get that question all the time as a pastor. What's God's will for my life? And what are people really asking when they ask that? They're asking, what should I do for like a job? That's typically what it is. And I don't think God is so concerned what we do for an occupation as he is on how we do that. In Galatians chapter 3, uh, 23, it says that whatever we do, we're working for the Lord. So that means when you're at school, students, guess what? You're working for the Lord. Do it like you're working for the Lord. And when you're working for the Lord, he gets glorified. Parents, we parent like we're working for the Lord. Whatever job that you're in, you're working for the Lord. Every single one of us are ministers. It's not just the professional Christians. It's all of us. We're all ministers. We're all seeking for his will to be done. All who received him. This is the greatest time ever to be the church. We have such an amazing opportunity. And in St. Johns County, there's over 200,000 people who don't know who the biblical Jesus is. They might have some idea, some head knowledge of who he is, but they're not trusting in him as their Lord and Savior. We have the answer for hope, for joy, for peace, for eternal life. We cannot keep it to ourselves. Our, the will that's done in our lives is that we need to share his goodness, his grace, his mercy. Let it overflow in his life. People all over our country are looking for a place to turn. They're trying to find hope. They're trying to find joy. They're trying to find it in any way that they can. But we know where they can truly find it. They can find it in Christ. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. I mean, for most of us, we have pantries that are full of food. Most of us even get to go out to eat from time to time. We go in our refrigerator, and our biggest problem is we don't know where to put all the stuff in the refrigerator. So some of us even get extra refrigerators and freezers and put that in our garage. You see, we're completely blessed That God has taken care of us. Give us this day our daily bread. But in first century Jewish culture, bread was a staple item. Nobody was on the Atkins diet. They were all carb loading, okay? They all love bread. I love me some bread too. Bring out some hot garlic bread, I might eat that whole loaf, okay? Bread is good, but it's not just talking about bread alone. It's talking about providing in all ways. Then we need to count on Him. Then we need to ask Him to provide. James 4, 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask. And that's the midst of his will that we want to conform to his will. And in, and in Matthew uh, chapter 7, just after he shares the pattern for praying, he says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Parents, do you do that? Your kids ask you for food, you give them a stone? No, you don't do that. Or if you ask for a fish, will you give them a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Many of you have this view of God that He's just waiting for you to mess up and here comes the lightning bolt. But did you see what that says? I mean... We who are parents, who are flawed by sin, we we want to bless our kids, don't we? How much do you think a perfect heavenly father wants to bless us? Now, sometimes those blessings look like hardships because he wants to teach us, because he's a good, good father. But he's out for our best. Your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. And I think it's really interesting at the beginning of this passage, it says, Ask and they'll be given to you. So we need to ask God. That's the God factor. And then it says, The seek that we need to actually make movement. We need to actually do things. God's given us bodies to go and do things that we can't just sit at our house like Elijah and the ravens and just say, God, you did that for Elijah. You had the ravens bring food to him. So Lord, would you have ravens go through the Chick-fil-A drive through on the way home, get a latte for me? Because I'm hungry. See, we have to seek. We have to actually do something. And then the knock is kind of the dance factor of of how much we ask, how much we seek. And it takes a while to, to get that right. Give us this day our daily bread. It's counting on him in our lives, allowing him to move. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. The Greek word for debt is opheloma. I like to emphasize the fail part of that. Because we often fail, whether it be getting in debt with our finances or in debt to others because we need forgiveness. I think most of us, if we were honest, if we were to evaluate our life, we would say, yeah, I maybe need a little forgiveness. But I mean, look at my neighbor, look at my coworker, he needs a lot of forgiveness. I I, I maybe need a little bit, but I'm really not that bad of a person. In fact, I think I'm a pretty good person. But when we see how much we go against God, I hope we're reminded of how much we do need forgiveness mean I think about if I had a really good day in my life, I'd only sin three times. I mean, that would be a tremendous day to only sin three times. And there's 365 days in a year. That's a thousand, about a thousand sins. A year I'm 39 years old. That's 39,000 things I've done wrong against God. That's a lot of things that I need forgiveness for. But on the cross, he took them all. On the cross, he says that you're forgiven. So we need big forgiveness. Not little forgiveness, big forgiveness. This reminds me of my son Luke was a lot younger, and he, he wanted big milk, not little milk. Here's a short little clip of, of that. No, we have baby milk. We have big milk. Good job. <laughs> I'm mean, like, come on now. That kid is so cute. Man. He, is, he is so cute. But you hear what he said? He said, me no want baby milk. Me want big milk. And as believers in Christ... Me don't want baby forgiveness. Me want big forgiveness. Because we have gone against God in so many different ways. And that's why we pray, forgive us our debts. Our debts are weighty. Oh, fail, Amma. Our debts are weighty. We need big forgiveness. Then not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Wow, there are so many temptations around us, aren't they? I talk about this with guys often that we're one click away from looking at pornography and ruining our lives. One click away. Temptation is always right there. There's temptation to have to have envy or to covet. There's so much temptation in our world. I think having the existence of social media adds so much more temptation. There, we live in a world that's full of temptation and so we cannot overestimate our ability. Because if we put ourselves in situations constantly to fall into temptation, we will. And I'm so grateful that I'm on a a staff where there's a staff 10 commandments. And one of those staff 10 commandments is that we're never alone with a member of the opposite sex that isn't our spouse. And, and, And I love that. I love that protection. Because if we're never alone with a member of the opposite sex, then nothing bad is ever going to happen. We don't want to overestimate our ability. And and maybe you should implement some things like this in your life. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We have an evil one. His name is Satan, and he wants to rip apart your marriage. He wants to rip apart your family. He wants to devour you. He wants to take you out. Now, we serve one that's far more powerful than the evil one. But don't mistake that he wants to tear you up. So don't fall into temptation. Constantly go to God asking to keep your mind and thoughts and, and actions pure. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now this pattern of the Lord's Prayer There's a whole range of emotion. It kind of reminds me of music. I I really enjoy music. I love our worship team leading us. I think they do a tremendous job each and every week leading us into worship. And I just love the range of of emotions that music brings. And we see in the Lord's Prayer, we see the range of of human emotions. It's like Jesus knows us or something. See, you see the praise for redemption with the phrase, our Father, and adoration for his greatness with saying that you're in heaven, and, and zeal for his glory, that how be your name. You are holy, 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 and longing for his triumph, that your kingdom fully come, and then dedication to him, that your will be done. And we see all the parts of prayer. That we see adoration, and we see confession, and we see thanksgiving. And then the second half is supplication of us asking things of him. You know, give us our daily bread. Help us to to live a life that's full of forgiveness. Help us to overcome our failures. Help us to know a sense of weakness and that we'd have strength in the face of our spiritual foes. And then it wraps it all up with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, most early manuscripts don't include verse 14, but the early church did. They included that every time they would say the Lord's Prayer. And so that's why we have it a part of it. In your Bible, it might be actually in the Scripture. It might be in parentheses. It might be a footnote at the bottom like it is in mine. But all of that is biblical. Whether it was in the early manuscripts or not, all of it is biblical because we want to see His kingdom and His power be glorified. And when it talks about kingdom and power, theologically, it's talking about one thing. It's talking about the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. That resurrection power that as believers, we can have too. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer this week. He gives us uh, the pattern of prayer. He teaches us how to pray. And, and in closing, we, we see a story here about the power of prayer. According to the Pagosa Springs Journal in uh, 2011, in a small North Texas town, Mount Vernon, there was a bar opening called Drummond's Bar. Mrs. Drummond wanted to open a bar here in the small town of Texas, and a large Baptist church in Mount Vernon uh, decided they really wanted to stop this bar from coming to Mount Vernon. So they prayed and prayed and prayed that it wouldn't come. They signed petitions. They tried to prevent it from coming, but they, they couldn't stop it. And the bar was being built. Well, two weeks before the bar opened, it was struck by lightning and burnt to the ground. The bar owner sued the church. He did. He sued the church saying that it was the church's fault for praying that they, he wouldn't open. The church denied any responsibility at all for that. It came before a judge and he said, I'm not sure how I'm going to rule this. But what I see is really interesting. I see a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a church that doesn't. (laughs) See, we need to believe in the power of prayer. And we need to believe that there is strength when we get it from the Lord. We need to believe that His kingdom is not only here, but it's going to come in full. We need to believe that He can give us big forgiveness. We need to believe that He can give us daily bread. We need to believe that He is the one that's in control. So will you pray the Lord's Prayer as our closing prayer this morning? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, have we also forgiven our debtors? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, I'm so grateful that you've given us a pattern to pray. I'm so thankful that you've given us a way to know you even more. And Lord, as we pray this prayer this week, that we would apply every part of it to our prayer life, that we would pray that your kingdom would come and that your will be done. We realize that you're an amazing Father, that holy is your name. Lord, help us to be able to apply each and every part of this to our prayer life so that you are glorified and not us. In Jesus' name, amen.